the February 28, 2020 episode of Weekly Signals Meltdown. Broadcasting from Studio A at KCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. Yeah. And, as always, the whistleblower who can't whistle, Mahler, the fake news dog. <laughs> Thank you, Mahler. Thank you. Today, mm-hmm. we'll be talking about gray whale solar storms, Richard Grinnell, every possible melody and more. But first, mm-hmm. are you a good driver? That's a, that's an incriminating question. I think I'm a good driver. Do you stop for pedestrians? Oh, absolutely. I'm very careful about pedestrians, but yeah. if I'm on the freeway... I have been told You'll run over a pedestrian on the freeway. I've been told, yes, I've I've <laughs> I have been told there are two mics at least. Uh-huh. There's mic that you're experiencing right now mm-hmm. and then there's freeway the kind, mic. Gentle, and kind gentle mic. yeah, chill mic and then there's Ooh, chill mic. And then there's freeway mic. Yeah. That's why I always drive when we go any place it's yeah. a distance yes. because I know about freeway mic. Yes, you've uh-huh. met freeway mic. Uh-huh. That was like an old Walt Disney cartoon starring Goofy. Maybe that's where I picked it. <laughs> oh. That's right. I forgot yeah. all about that. He turned into a devil when he got into an automobile. Yep. From Science Direct. This is from Science Direct. Yes. And a new study found that only 28% of motorized vehicle drivers yield to pedestrians. They yielded more for females, 31.3%, and whites, 31.1% compared to males, 24%, and non-whites, 25%. Hmm. The more the car cost, the more likely the driver didn't yield. So if you have an expensive car, you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you're also endangering the lives of others by your behavior. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that, that cuts across that, more than just driving. Yes, it does. Odds of yielding decrease 3%. Per one thousand dollar increase in car value. Wow! Until when you get up to a Maserati, yeah, they were just running over people. <laughs> Instead of a cow catcher like they do yep. on a train, they just uh, have a people catcher on the front just of them. Spikes. In twenty seventeen, nearly two hundred thousand pedestrians were injured by cars, and almost six thousand were killed. God. So don't stare at your phone when you're crossing the herd, is what I'm thinking. Yes. I mean, yeah, they should watch out for you, but... You as a driver bear the responsibility. Yeah, but when you're the pedestrian laying in emergency, right-of-way doesn't mean that much to you. This is something I've often said, and I know a woman, a friend of mine, who will cross in the street. Like, they are going to stop. Like, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. And I've often said to her, I would much rather be alive than right. And what's the point anyway? Yeah. You don't want to trust those people. You don't know that person that's rolling towards you might be having a heart attack. Exactly. Might be having a stroke. Might be blanking out. You don't know what's going on there. She steps out into the intersection like it's like she's daring them to, yeah. you know, and I'm I just horrified when I watch her do it. Over the last decade, pedestrian fatalities have gone up and pedestrian <laughs> fatality rates are the highest in urban areas. Mm-hmm. 
They had 80% of the total pedestrian fatalities in 2017 in urban areas. Counties with high rates of urban sprawl, like L.A. and Orange counties, are more dangerous for pedestrians, just flat out. I would guess that has something to do with the speed limits are higher because roads are generally straighter and there's no potholes and the streets are wider so the pedestrian has more of a challenge to cross it. That's true. The results of this study were unambiguous. If you drive an expensive car, you're probably an a-hole. Yeah. And if you're staring at your cell phone when you're encountering a two-ton metal beast, you're a fool. Yes, you are. (laughs) If you had put this proposition in front of me before I read any of this, mm-hmm. I would have said, yes, people who have more expensive cars are more likely to not care about stopping. Yeah. This is an example of where your bias actually proves to be true. My bias, anyway. Yeah. From space.com. For the first time, one commercial satellite grabbed hold of another one in orbit around Earth. So they might be able to reduce some of the space junk out there by repairing and refueling a dying spacecraft with a kind of leech satellite. Mm. I like to think of it as a leech because it just grabs hold of it. It just sticks on it. This is good Yeah, because there is a tremendous amount of space junk out there. They could refuel and break up problem clots in a satellite. You know, just like leeches. (laughs) They, They suck your blood and they get rid of blood clots, that kind of stuff. Over the past few months, Mission Extension Vehicle 1, that's what they call it, Mm -hmm. rose to more than 22,000 miles above Earth's surface, just above what is known as the geosynchronous orbit. Its target was Intelsat 901, an 18-year-old communications satellite that is running low on fuel. Mission Extension Vehicle 1 docked with Intel's SAT-901 on Tuesday this week. After test of its systems, Mission Extension Vehicle 1 will refuel Intel's SAT-901 and then push the Intel SAT-901 to a new operational orbit in late March. To not allow it to just degrade to a point where it just becomes space junk is such a wonderful... This is great. This is, I guess, one of the advantages of the commercialization of space is now there's an investment involved in these older satellites that they don't want to just lose. Good. Without Mission Extension Vehicle 1, Intelsat 901 would need to be retired within months. Its lifetime has now been extended five years. Okay. Thank you, Mission Extension Vehicle 1. <laughs> well, after all this, mm-hmm. then propel it to a higher orbit known as the graveyard. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Where it will be decommissioned and not in danger of colliding with other satellites. Okay, I guess. Designed to last 15 years, Mission Extension Vehicle 1 will then unlock and be reused to leech on and help another satellite. This is pretty cool. That's a sweet story. That is. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile... A Kentucky man whose request for a license plate reading I'm God had initially been denied. It was I am space G-O-D. Yeah. I'm God. Was awarded $150,000 to cover his legal fees. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Because he really is God. (laughs) Who'd have thought God was from Kentucky? I would never. From Vice. 
A new study found that solar storms that disrupt the Earth's magnetic field may be scrambling gray whales' internal GPS, messing with their minds, and causing the whales to beach on shorelines. Gray whales travel 10,000 miles every year between the Arctic and Mexico. That's one of the longest migrations on Earth. They cling to the coastline for most of it, but sometimes... They make a mistake. Yeah. They're going real close to the coast, and they brush against the shore somehow. They brush a rock. They brush onto something. Next thing you know, they're beached. That's right. They're laying on the beach there. Laying on the beach. That's why they call it beached. (laughs) They call it beaching, yeah. A beaching can be deadly for a whale since they can collapse under their own weight without water underneath them. That's right. Once the tide goes out, they're in real trouble. Yeah. Or they drown at high tide. They're just laying there, drown, right. and right, right. don't have enough energy because they've been struggling. And next thing you know, yeah. to get a better sense of what causes whale beaching, scientists studied the conditions on the days of over 100 beachings. Then they realized we had more solar storms than usual on days when whales were beached. The researchers concluded that gray whales could rely on the Earth's magnetic fields to navigate and that solar storms that show up as sunspots on the sun's surface may be screwing with the whale's directional senses. But Jesse Granger, the author of the report, wanted us to know that this is only one possible cause of beachings. One possible cause. All right. Among a myriad of other causes, like mid-range naval sonar, or changing ocean conditions, or melting icebergs, or shifting food sources, I am really trying hard to avoid having some military base get a hold of this research and use it as an excuse to start blasting sonar all over the place, she said, which can also disrupt the whale's GPS. (coughs) Meanwhile, a long-feared scenario where global warming causes Arctic permafrost to melt and release enough greenhouse gas to accelerate warming and cause catastrophe probably won't happen. Researchers concluded that the methane released does not reach the atmosphere in large quantities because of several natural buffers, like methane-eating microbes in the top few inches of soil above permafrost that intercept the gas before it reaches the atmosphere. So we can probably thank those... That's kind of comforting. Yeah, exactly. We can probably thank those little bacteria for saving our bacon, they said. I'm not completely convinced that... This is just one little aspect of it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not convinced that the because of the erosion of ice and the uncovering and the methane that's being released from that permafrost, I'm not entirely convinced that at some point the little bacteria that are eating the methane are not going to be impacted by the fact that they're now exposed to the elements in a way that this they is, haven't been. I know you want global warming really bad. I do. But, I so want it to happen, and I don't want these but, little buggers getting one, in the way. One tiny I'm good just, report. It is a good report. Okay. And yeah. and yet you, you don't want to believe it when the scientists... No, I don't want to be... I don't want to come to rely... scenario No, I don't want to come to rely on the idea that the erosion of all of... The, so much of this ice is going... These it's little a good bi- thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. But at least looking at this particular part of global warming, I'm it glad. sounds I'm like thrilled there's to a hear safeguard it. here, yes. which is good. Yes. And again, thank you, little bacteria. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We are finding out that bacteria, microbial life is maybe the one thing that is holding back some true disaster. Yeah.
If this news makes you thankful, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to thank us? Yeah. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free forms, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. From Earther, mm-hmm. in a stunning reversal, Vancouver-based Tech Resources Limited realized its giant oil sands project is a poor investment. <laughs> they just up and decided, this is bad. We don't need to make oil this way. You and I yeah. are not exactly Rockefeller and Carnegie, right? Yeah. And I think probably at least a half a decade ago, maybe maybe a decade ago, yeah. when they were talking about this as a source of dirty oil, yeah. we proclaimed it to be a bad investment then, yeah. okay? Yeah. So if they'd listened to us, if they, would they just, wouldn't have yeah. gone down this path. And contribute to KUCI. Yeah. Yeah, instead of squandering your billions on the tar sands of, yeah. of Alberta, probably throw, I don't know, a, maybe just a billion into KUCI. Or just directly to or me. Directly to you. <laughs> Vancouver-based Tech Resources Limited had proposed building one of the world's largest oil sands mines in the middle of Canada's majestic boreal forests with irreplaceable majestic trees. They just wanted to uh, bulldoze it down and yeah. suck out the oil. Yeah. That's sick. The Frontier Project would have stretched across more than 72,000 acres in Alberta, Last Sunday, however, the company abruptly withdrew its proposal from Canada's regulatory review process. And it wasn't because of the heavy opposition the project faced. Oh, no. The company said the money just wasn't looking right when it announced the decision. Well, oil is a loser. That's really what's going on here. exactly. The money wasn't looking right. They always have these kind of strange little way to soften their own... recognition of their self-stupidity. Exactly right. It's another sign that fossil fuels are dying, and especially for oil sands, the dirtiest, cancer-causing, nastiest, and costliest of them all. Yeah. Coal is definitely dying here in the United States, not unfortunately in other parts of the world, including Australia. There's a tremendous amount of coal there, and the Prime Minister has continued to support, despite the fact that those horrific wildfires took place over the last eight months or so in Australia. But there is some recognition. It is getting better. It is becoming more a part of the investment portfolio mentality to not invest in fossil fuel. Uh, The Frontier Project was set to produce some 260,000 barrels of oil a day. The Canadian government estimates the project would have emitted four megatons of carbon a year, but that's lowballing it. It could be six megatons annually. The risks those emissions posed weren't an issue for tech. No problem killing off the planet as long as we make money. The risks of the financial losses were the risk, which is why they pulled the plug on the project. So it's profits over people for those folks. That's right. That's right. Nationalize the oil companies. Nationalize fossil fuel. Yeah. Meanwhile, if you want to save a cow, Mike. I would like to save a cow. What do you do? Don't eat meat. Yeah, you don't eat a hamburger, probably. Probably. 
Or here's another suggestion. You might not eat cheese. Oof. Yeah. That's, that's a blow right there. One in five pounds of beef sold come from Holstein and Jersey cows. The, those cows are frequently decommissioned dairy cows primed for pasture. Almost all of the meat from dairy cows is ground. It's not marbled enough for steaks. The lowest you can go as far as eating beef is to eat a fast food burger. Yeah. Yes. You might be actually just eating dairy cow. Yeah. It's our consumption of milk and cheese that gives us a source for cheap beef that ultimately fuels the one billion burgers served at fast food restaurants that support a rainforest being torn down for grazing and feed. Yeah. Meanwhile, per capita consumption of beef has been increasing since 2015. No hasn't way. Hasn't slowed down. No way. Yeah. U.S. beef sales reached an all-time high in 2019 with a similar outlook to 2020. Oh, my God. Why do people eat cows anyway? I, never I, I don't know. It's a, I don't think they taste that good, do they? Is it like you're going, oh, my God, this steak is the best thing I've ever... People say that. I don't get it. I don't either. Yeah. Not anymore. I mean, there was a, po- a point in my life where I might have said something along yeah. those lines, but not anymore. I don't... Yeah. Honestly, my dad, God bless him, my dad insist on cooking up a steak every week. He yeah. puts it in the broiler and cooks it up. The smell permeates the whole house. What's a status symbol, I think? They don't realize I, it, it doesn't taste good because in their brain they're thinking, I'm rich. I mean, <laughs> I'm eating a steak. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also a, a little tiny bit of his eating habits have to do with the fact that he was born during the Great Depression. Yeah. You know, That's when they didn't have apples and no, vegetables. No, have any you of know? that stuff. No. That all came about much later. In life. From the New York Times, some of Earth's plants like to be nourished with metal. That's right, Mike, metal. Metal. It's like metal is their fertilizer. They have roots that act like magnets. These plants, about 700 are known, flourish in metal-rich soils. The metal makes hundreds of thousands of other plant species die off, but these are metal-eating plants. Wow. Slicing open one of these trees or bushes and running their leaves through a peanut press, if you want to, or just slicing it open, produces a sap that oozes a neon blue-green. Are you kidding? No. This metal juice (laughs) is one-quarter nickel far more concentrated than the ore feeding the world's nickel smelters. These plants could be the world's most efficient solar-powered mineral smelters. (laughs) It's been proven on a plot of land rented from a rural village in Malaysia, on the Malaysian side of the island of Borneo. Every 6 to 12 months, a farmer shaves off one foot of growth from these nicker, hyper-accumulating plants and either burns or squeezes the metal out. After a short purification, farmers could hold in their hands roughly 500 pounds of nickel citrate, worth thousands of dollars on international markets. We're now scaling up the world's largest trial to nearly 50 acres. Wow. In a decade, the researchers hope that a sizable portion of insatiable consumer demand for base metals and rare minerals could be filled by the same kind of farming that produces the world's coconuts and coffee. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh. Phytomining, it's called, or extracting minerals from hyper-accumulating plants cannot fully replace traditional mining techniques, but the technology has the additional value of making areas of toxic soils productive. 
So if we do have a place that's been contaminated, at least we can suck the metal out of it and decontaminate it. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, on Twitter and Instagram at KUCI FM. Stream us live on TuneIn or go to KUCI.org. From Fast Company. Did you watch that State of the Union address Trump I was did. going on about last month? I did. He was bragging about the blue-collar boom. He was. Yeah. He was. You've been scraping by with a family, doing hard coin work. Yeah. But now Trump will make you thrive. He is. He's the yeah. man. He's the man with the plan. He's got it going on. But wait, Mike. Oh, what? A new analysis of U.S. Census data paints a very different picture. Inflation-adjusted income grew more slowly for national households as a whole and for poor households in 36 states during Trump's first two years when compared to Obama's last two years. Yeah. That's Obama. I know. Obama beat Trump. I don't remember him bragging a lot about it. He didn't hold any rallies. Exactly. And for all of the bragging that... Trump has done about his amazing, amazing uh, economy. Magnificent. Magnificent. Magnificent economy. His best year doesn't come close to Obama's best year in terms yeah. of growth and, and income growth as well. Low-income households with average incomes of about $14,000 a year saw their inflation-adjusted incomes rise 2.4% under Trump. Under Obama, they grew twice as fast at 5.5%. In eight of the 10 states where the presidential race was decided by less than 4% in 2016, the poorest households had slower income growth under Trump than under Obama. What were they thinking? (laughs) The eight included New Hampshire, Maine, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Florida, Nevada, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Right. In 2019, the average low-wage worker saw a 2.9% increase in their hourly wages from $9.54 to $9.82. That's on Trump's watch. But that's just $48.50 a month for full-time work. Right. That's 50 bucks for full-time work. That's not very much, considering their CEO just dropped 50 bucks on breakfast. Right. Exactly right. That CEO also got a bigger bonus. That CEO also was investing in buying back the stock from the company, which further enriches him. And And meanwhile, the CEO is getting the big tax break. For all the bragging Trump does, his economy creates more poor jobs than good jobs compared to Obama. That's right. This is the story that needs to be told. Yeah. It's close, but Trump's still the loser. Yeah. In January 2017, when Trump took office, the economy was creating 85 high-quality jobs for every 100 low-quality ones. That's during Obama. That's where it ended. That's the the relationship to good paying. Pre-recession high was 90 good jobs for every 100 low-quality jobs, in case you're wondering. This is before 2007. Since January 2018, when Trump's Republican Tax Cut and Job Act took effect, Trump has been losing to Obama again, hovering between 80 and 83 high-quality jobs for every 100 bad ones. Now, that's close, but still, he's the loser. Exactly right. 
it is difficult to put into a soundbite, but as these presidential campaigns move forward, this is the story that needs to be told. That Trump is who he is. He's a con artist. He's a carnival barker. And what he is saying isn't true. He's a loser. And he's a loser. Yeah. <laughs> he's a loser. That's right. From ABC News, the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals is getting flipped. We used this, to rely on it for, for sensible rulings on cases, not in favor of corporations, but in favor of people. Not in favor of the Christian Taliban, but in favor of true religious freedom. Uh, the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld Trump administration rules imposing more hurdles for women seeking abortions. Yep. The 7-4 to ruling by the Ninth Circuit Court overturned decisions issued by judges in Washington, Oregon, and California. The court had already allowed the administration's changes to begin taking effect while the government appealed those rulings. Right when that happened, I thought, this isn't a good sign. That's right. The rules banned taxpayer-funded clinics in the Title X program from making abortion referrals and prohibit clinics that receive federal money from sharing office space with abortion providers, a rule that would force many to find new locations, undergo expensive remodels, or shut down. The American Medical Association criticized the ruling, saying this government overreach and interference demands that physicians violate their ethical obligations, prohibiting open, frank conversations with patients about all their health care options. And it is unconscionable that the government is telling physicians that they can treat this underserved population only if they promise not to discuss and make referrals for all treatment options. No matter what you think about abortion, abortion is legal it's now. That's right. It's exactly right. And a court, the justice system, should be looking for legality, not for their own Christian Taliban ideals. That's exactly right. This is the enduring legacy of the Trump administration, the appointment of over 180 federal judges to levels of the court that will have a direct impact on our lives for many, many years to come. Yeah. Meanwhile, as the population, the citizens of this country are growing into the 21st century, right. not stuck in some ancient right. philosophy. Right. This, they're, right. they're the ones that are going to have to do something about this. I don't know what it is. Recall judges? I don't know what to do either. You can't, I mean, you can't hold a mass removal of federal judges. It doesn't work that way. But this is the opus day. This is the, as you said, the American Taliban version of judicial justification for keeping women enslaved. Meanwhile, in Iraq, an Iraqi man complaining on live television about his country's health services died on air. Yeah. From ProPublica, Trump's acting director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell, yeah. is a jackhole. He is a jackhole. He worked as a paid publicist for a foundation funded by Hungary's authoritarian government. And that's his second former client that looks a little bit hinky, yeah. questionable, yeah. corrupt. He's the new Paul Manafort yeah. of this administration. National intelligence, too. He's yeah. heading that up. I know. This is insane. This yeah. is nuts. And they knew they couldn't get enough votes for this guy. That's why he's acting national That's how Trump's gotten around yeah. a lot of these yeah. appointments. Most of the upper levels of the uh, administration now are acting whatever. Yeah. 
You know, and they yeah. and in so many ways they are acting yeah. at being actually good at their job. Yeah. They're this not. Guy is no good. No. Grinnell did not disclose working for a Hungarian government-funded group. In 2016, the Magyar Foundation of North America paid Grinnell's consulting firm $103,000 for public relations services, according to the foundation's tax filing. The foundation was funded and supervised by Hungary's government. The foundation's director had been a registered lobbyist for Prime Minister Viktor Orban, Grinnell, however, did not register, even though public relations work on behalf of the foreign government falls squarely under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Right. You got to do that. That's right. He violated the law. And there are criminal penalties for such things. Right. And like you said, the Foreign Agents Registration Act is the same law that Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, and former deputy campaign manager, Rick Gates, were convicted of violating. Right. They're serving time. They broke the law. And a very quick summary of Viktor Orban in Hungary. He is a despot. He is a dictator, not in name, but he's been undermining the judiciary. He's been using the intelligence services to spy on people and to suppress free speech. He's cozied up to Putin in a big way. Hungary is now seen as a conduit for information from the West into Russia. They're working hand in hand with the GRU. This is horrible. The work for Hungary is Grinnell's second foreign consulting job he didn't disclose. Grinnell did consulting work on behalf of Moldovan politician Vladimir Plahovnik, who the U.S. later said was involved in corruption. According to national intelligence, the official policy from the office that Grinnell now leads Undisclosed foreign lobbying and past foreign business dealings can create security concerns for people with access to government secrets. So, like you said, there's nothing to stop him from passing this information that he gets in national intelligence along to his former clients. And I'm not saying he's some evil Hungarian spy. I'm saying he wants to make money. He's another con artist. Again, let's say it again. He's the director acting, but he's the director of national intelligence. This is a really important position. I would assume he has some of the highest security clearance you can get. I can't imagine why he wouldn't have the highest levels of security clearance. I wouldn't. So why not pass information along to his buddies in Russia that are going to make them more money? Well, who knows what they'll do to our economy or our security? So here's another example of the Trump administration at the direct orders of Donald Trump that are compromising the integrity of our intelligence community, in addition to the fact that he's already been compromised on so many different levels in so many different ways. Yeah. Trump has been. Another example. He's destroyed the entire FBI operation for monitoring the Russian oligarchs, the Russian intelligence operations in the United States. They're gone. All of those people are gone. They've been fired. They've been forced to resign. This is another horrifying example. From Vice. Two programmer musicians wrote every possible melody in existence to a hard drive, copyrighted the whole thing, and then released it all to the public in an attempt to stop musicians from getting sued. You got that? Yeah. They copyrighted every possible melody and I know you will see I, what happens I, I know Nathan that you have in the past been an advocate of open source a lot of open yeah. society and open culture I'm very curious what you think of this
Intellectual property is a sham. We have a collective intellect. Right. People don't write songs out of the blue. Right. They write songs based on thousands of years of musical inspiration. Yeah. I'm going to sue uh, Aaron Copeland for Appalachian Spring if I'm a Mennonite. Right. Defending a music copyright case in court can cost millions of dollars in legal fees. The programmers hope that by releasing the melodies publicly, they might prevent these crappy lawsuits. To determine the finite nature of melodies, the two developed an algorithm that recorded every possible 8-note, 12-beat melody combo, the same tactic hackers use to guess passwords, churning through every possible combination of notes until none remained. The algorithm worked at a rate of 300,000 melodies per second. There you go. All the melodies they've generated, as well as the code for the algorithm that generated them, are available as open source materials on GitHub, and the data sets are on the uh, Internet Archive. Whether this tactic actually works in court remains to be seen. You know, the one that really got me recently was that Marvin Gaye. He had that got to give up. And his family, his estate, they didn't mm. even write the effing song, mm. you know? And they sued. And, and they have the intellectual property for it. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Like his son had the brains to come up with, got to give it up. But they sued Robin Thicke and Farrell Williams because their song, Blurred Lines, had the feel. They didn't even have the melody. They Is had anything. Right? They had the feel of got to give it up. And they did, but... What, you're suing people for feelings now? Is that what it is? I can't have the feel of somebody else? That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. There are so many bands that sound like so many other bands that were inspired yeah. by so many other bands before them that this is an insane road to go down. And meanwhile, you got some mega millionaire like Madonna saying, oh, no, that's very bad. Intellectual property is really good for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it stifles creativity. By the way, in a related story, the Smithsonian made available millions of historic images. Yeah, I always free. love it when libraries like that were <laughs> making them available to the public. Yeah, so that's now uh, essentially royalty-free, or how do you, is that the right way to say it? Yeah, if you want an image for your uh, your website, yeah, go to the Smithsonian. Where, Mil- where is over that? three million images were released for public uh, use yeah. now. for public. And they image. have a search system and everything down. So, so the Smithsonian, check yeah. it out. From Ars Technica. You know those graphic interchange format GIFs, Mike? I do. Yeah. Do you say GIF or GIF? I say GIF. Yeah, I always said GIF. I always thought it was crazy when I heard people saying GIF. I thought, what's that? JM Smucker Company, known in jam circles as Smuckers, (laughs) comes down on the hard G side of the debate like us. Mm-hmm. GIF. Mm-hmm. Smucker's latest advertising campaign says the soft G version has already existed for decades in the form of their Jiffy peanut butter brand. So I'm kind of advertising now for Jiffy peanut butter, although this is a non-commercial uh, yeah. program, so I'm, I'm not really advertising. I'm passing the news along. You are. In You're fact, just, Jiffy yeah. sucks. Yeah. It's a really bad peanut butter. I was a Laura Jiffy. Scudder's peanut yeah, butter when I was, right. growing, I was when good. I was growing up. That was what we. Yeah, Laura Scudder's is all right. Yeah. I usually then, have almond butter myself. Well, now you yeah. do, but I'm salted. But, but I was growing night, up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't. I was grew up with you know Laura Scudder's. Yeah. What are you gonna do? All you right. were upper class. The people at Smucker's say don't mix up the two. Soft G Jif for food. Hard G Gif 
for animated image format. Now Smuckers has partnered with Giphy, a GIF-specific search engine that powers Twitter's default GIF embeds system. They have a limited edition peanut butter with a label that says GIF. That's like pretty it. cool. Yeah, I like it. Although people would just want to buy it, you know. Yeah. And well. it's bad peanut butter. Yeah. If you could just get the label, you can. You can go online, get the label, be happy. Maybe it's royalty free. Maybe you can get it. To, <laughs> you may go to the Smithsonian and get it. That's oh, the okay. other thing. Like there's intellectual property rights on a GIF label. On the lid's jar, it says, if you've ever called a GIF a GIF, we forgive you. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. That's corporate humor at its best. Oh. Yeah? Yeah. You like you like butter. Yeah, and he he yeah. But he doesn't like Jiffy peanut butter. Well, yeah. well, he's got some taste. Yeah. And finally, Virginia's state legislature voted down a ban on assault weapons and bump stocks and voted to maintain a ban on spitting in public. <laughs> I work in the world of spit, said one representative who works as a dentist. And I think it should be sucked out, not spit out. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.